The masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you've thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Zayas Where would we be without THC? Side chatters, we know the shadowy elite have many campaigns stacked against the people, from mind-controlling media to chemical-laden skies, and it's hard to find a slice of the pie that hasn't been weaponized. And of course, food and medicine both sit near the top of that list. Yes, it seems like the conspiracy is in full swing, as we have seen the puppet master's payments slowly compromise the education of doctors, discard and discredit natural cures for petrochemicals, and they've overtaken the food industry to weaken the natural food supply and again replace the good stuff with artificial and chemical-based alternatives. Well, that is the theme of the day, people, and today's guest has been working hard to beat back the beast and restore the natural knowledge we've lost over the last few decades. His name is Clive DeCarl, a natural health practitioner who cured his so-called incurable dis-ease 30 years ago, and as a result, took his life in a new direction where he completely changed his lifestyle, invested in a fully off-grid organic farm in Spain, and pioneered the use of fully sustainable ancient and modern farming methods to get back to the good stuff. A commendable change in dedication, and of course he's been writing, researching, and lecturing on the lost art of healthy living ever since, a true thorn in the side of the petrochemical pushers and a re-educator of the people. Clive, my man, welcome to the higher side. Thank you so much, Greg. That's quite an intro. Thank you. Hey, well, thanks for being here, man. I mean, I'm so glad that you are. This is a subject that always gets a big response from the audience because unlike a lot of conspiratorial topics, this is something we actually can do something about with a little commitment. But many of us still lack that fundamental education, which makes the work you do quite crucial. Well, you know, hopefully tonight I can explain what the real keys to health are, because if people realized how simple it was, they wouldn't be so ill. You know, it's just crazy how simple it is. You know, what happened to me 30 years ago, I'm working in London, everything's great, fit, healthy, and I'm embarrassed because at 32 or something, I've got some spots on my face. I'm embarrassed about it. So I went to a doctor. Big mistake. The doctor should have said, stop eating those Mars bars, you know, stop <laughs> eating that crap food and be sensible. But instead, the doctor said, take these antibiotics. So I take the antibiotics, my health falls apart. I'm allergic to the antibiotics, clearly. I become type 1 diabetic. I become so arthritic that I can't work anymore. Then I can't drive the car anymore. Then one day I wake up and I haven't got the strength to get dressed. I can't put my mm. socks on. It's just insane. So they put me in hospital for weeks. So they don't know what's wrong with me. And after weeks in hospital, they say it's hopeless. You're going to have a short, unpleasant life. We can give you drugs and we can operate. But almost on that same day, I'd worked out, actually, I was low on magnesium. I was low on a few vitamins and minerals. And I got my wife to wheel me out in a wheelchair. I started taking vitamins and minerals and changed my diet. And all the arthritis went away. I went from looking like I was 80 years old to fully back. And then about three years later, my dad's best friend 
got cancer for the second time and was told he was going to die. He copied what I did, but he did it more seriously than I did. He started taking mega high doses of vitamin C every day, 35 grams. This was 27 years ago, something like that. And he had about 12 weeks to live. He lived another 25 years. And when he did die, it wasn't of cancer. So mm. I saw firsthand a couple of pretty obvious things that actually, hang on, do the doctors actually know what they're doing? And you'd think that doctors knew about health. You'd think that doctors were taught cures and causes of disease. You'd think they were taught minerals and vitamins. You'd think they'd be taught about essential fats and amino acids and carbohydrates and proteins and so on. In England, a doctor in their five years training do half a day on all those subjects, half a day on nutrition, minerals, vitamins. And I believe in America, it's about the same. Wow. Because what matters is drugs. When a doctor picks up their prescription pad to write, what they're really saying at that point is, well, look, I'm really sorry about this, but I haven't got a clue how to fix you. I don't know the cause of your problem. I don't know how to cure you. So if it's all right with you, I'm just going to drug you for the rest of your life. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's such a, a wild story. And your situation definitely seems like more the rule than the exception. You know, I've heard a lot of people talking about situations that are very similar. You, you go into the doctor with a small problem, you come out with a treatment that gives you a bigger problem. It's just no way to live. And, you know, on your website, it highlights a great quote of yours where you say, we go to a doctor looking for wellness while the doctor is only looking for illness. There are only three reasons why we lose our health, toxicity, physical damage, or nutrient deficiency. There is no fourth reason. Your body is not low on pharmaceutical drugs. And I do like that, especially the last line there. But in such a complex world, can everything really boil down to just these three causes? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, let's look at a few examples. You say, oh, but what about stress? Well, okay, stress is the big killer. But if you've got enough magnesium, for instance, which magnesium is the mineral that's anti-stress. You've got enough magnesium, that stressful event might happen, but you can cope with it. It's like the difference between a problem and a challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're feeling strong, it's a challenge. If we're feeling weak, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I do think it's like that. Everybody is toxically poisoned. I've tested hundreds of people this year with a new piece of French mineral and heavy metal analysis equipment. It uses light. And everybody is toxically poisoned with pretty much everything. You know, without exception, everybody, to a hugely disturbing level. Everybody I've tested has been low on magnesium, not like 90% of people, 100% of people. Everybody's low on magnesium. So why would that be? Well, one of the reasons is we're all so stressed. And stress uses magnesium. So magnesium is the number one mineral. And let me explain magnesium because it's, it's so important to understand. If you're low on magnesium, that means that your cells can't relax. Calcium allows your muscles to contract, and magnesium is the thing that allows them to relax again. And because it's on a cellular level, this means your thinking relaxes as well with magnesium. So the symptoms of magnesium deficiency can include worry, panic attacks, anxiety, cramps, particularly muscle cramps. You know, People have cramps in the backs of their legs or their feet. They wake up having a cramp, menstrual cramps. Heart attacks are a cramp. If you've got a 
cramp in your leg, that's a warning that you might get a muscle cramp in your heart muscle, which we would call a heart attack. Other symptoms of magnesium deficiency would be things like preeclampsia in women who, who can't give birth, they're all cramped up. What do they do? Well, they take that woman to the emergency ward and they inject them uh, IV with magnesium, hmm. magnesium sulfate. What do the emergency room doctors do if somebody's having a heart attack? They inject them with magnesium. What do they do if they're having a stroke? Same thing, inject them with magnesium because it allows immediate relaxation of everything. So could it be that the stroke happened maybe because they were low in magnesium in the first place? Could the heart attack have happened because they were low on magnesium and so on? So everybody's low on magnesium I've tested so far, everybody. Yeah, that is so interesting. And I have heard you talk about magnesium before in that regard that it is injected into heart attack victims and that they teach the powers of magnesium to emergency room doctors, but they leave that out for the general practitioners because I guess it's just too powerful. But it wouldn't be good for business. Where would all the customers come from? <laughs> you know, you, you've got to remember that, that a patient cured is a customer lost. Right. Chinese medical doctors in the old days, the family would employ the doctor to look after the family, and they would pay the, the doctor every month. But then if somebody got ill in the family, they wouldn't pay the doctor until granny was better. <laughs> now, there's an incentive. You know, the, the job was to keep the family well. But in England, and I would suggest in America, doctors are paid by how many ill people they have. Right. Well said. Totally upside down. It's the same with dentists. Dentists are paid to do work on your teeth. They should be paid to make sure they never do work on your teeth. <laughs> That's true. How many unnecessary operations and dental procedures are carried out on a daily basis because they've got down payments on their BMW? Mm. Man, you got to ask those questions. I mean, it's a capitalistic world. You would think that that greed incentive would creep into most businesses. It's just you hope it doesn't hit one that's so crucial to life, but here we are. And on the subject of kind of simplicity and the nutrients that you've used, I heard you talk about the miraculous power of vitamin C, and it's just so crazy. It's hard to believe that it could be so powerful, but tell people about some of the stuff that's going on with vitamin C, the work that's been done, and how it shows how effective it really is. Well, way back in the 60s onwards, they did a lot of experiments to show that vitamin C would effectively overcome viruses. And, you know, there's a very famous chap, Linus Pauling, he was the only person to win the Nobel Prize as an individual twice. And when he retired, age 83 or something, he went to studying vitamin C. And he became very famous for saying, look, you can overcome viruses, the cold, flu, smallpox, whatever you like, with vitamin C, but it has to be in high doses. And many doctors at this point were proving it by curing people. However, things changed. The vitamin C of then isn't the same as the vitamin C now. Most of the vitamin C in the world now is made in a pharmaceutical facility in China out of genetically modified corn, which is a very different source to more natural old-fashioned ways of making vitamin C. So in the old days, everybody could get on well with vitamin C. But these days, so many people say, oh, I, I, it doesn't agree with my stomach. I, I don't, can't get on with vitamin C. That's because they're taking the genetically modified version 
not a more natural version. So the type of vitamin C you're looking for is mixed ascorbates, not ascorbic acid, but mixed ascorbates. That's the sort of more alkaline version and not made from genetically modified corn. And there are a few companies, not many, few companies who do do that very high quality and it tastes nice as opposed to tasting quite sharp. But there's an art to taking vitamin C. If you take too much, you get diarrhea. Same with magnesium. Take too much, you get loose stool. Hmm. And it's not obviously a terribly great thing. <laughs> so one has to take little and often. And there are many great videos out there teaching you how. My favorite, which I try to show people, is only four minutes long. And it's called Reverse Pneumonia in Three Hours. And it explains how this Dr. Andrew Saul had pneumonia and he took two grams of vitamin C every six minutes. And within three hours, his temperature had come down to normal, his pneumonia had stopped. Wow. It then explains how they gave 20 grams of vitamin C to a 20-pound baby in a day who had similar sort of health problems, and that fixed the baby. So I am not giving health advice here. I'm just being the journalist telling people where they can research. None of what I'm saying must be taken as health advice. It's just reportage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what I like about the work that I have seen you do, the presentations I've seen you give, is you do pull a lot of information and studies from what we think of as fairly mainstream sources. It's just that you know, only so often do those studies kind of creep through, like they put them out, but it doesn't really influence, you know, the mainstream system. So like you can get good information if you really dig and chisel it out of there. But, you know, they just don't implement it all that often. But I do like those sources because that's the kind of stuff you can take to a friend who works in the industry or a really skeptical person and say, well, look, if you trust these sources, then look at what this study says. Well, there's masses of proof. You know, there have been great doctors out there, great doctors doing fantastic work for decades. But unfortunately, the only ones really who are able to do that are the ones who have some sort of funding and don't get crushed. But these days, a lot of doctors are in hiding. You know, I, I've interviewed quite a few medical doctors who've had to leave America. You know, they're now living in Panama or Ecuador or wherever it is because of being persecuted by the medical system. It's... Uh, you know, who who rules in America? Well, certainly the pharmaceutical industry is pretty near the top, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have a corporate sponsor for your studies and your studies aren't confirming what your corporate sponsor wants to hear, then you really can't work in the industry at all. Do you know the definition of diagnosis, the word diagnosis? No, maybe not particularly. My definition is this. You know, from the Greek, gnosis means to know. Agnosis means not to know. Diagnosis is two people not knowing. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, the doctor and the patient. Yes, neither of them know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> so I also wanted to ask you about bread and wheat. I've wanted to talk about this for a while now because, as I understand it, the reason modern bread is causing so many problems is because of a major change in the way it was processed. Is that right? Well, when I was young, I mean, I'm 63. When I was young, nobody that I ever met had a problem with bread or wheat or anything. You know, the word gluten wasn't in the consciousness. And then, as I understand it, 1986, I think, may have been 
the year that Monsanto started putting glyphosate Roundup on wheat, and they started damaging people's guts, causing a leaky gut, you know, permeability of the gut lining so that little parts, bits of protein could get through the gut lining and cause problems that we know as gluten intolerance. And I think there's a pretty much a smoking gun with Monsanto and the problems people are having with bread. It doesn't mean that you know, if people have got currently gluten intolerance, can't handle wheat, doesn't mean it's forever. But I interviewed a woman now, actually, interestingly, from America, now currently in hiding in Europe, I believe, called Kerry Rivera. She wrote the book Reversing the Symptoms Known as Autism. And her son got to 10 years old before she realized what she had to do. And she took her son off not only wheat, but she took her son off all grains and all dairy, right? Because she, she felt that grains and dairy were the culprit for her son. So that left one food that her son would eat, which was French fries. So no dairy, no grains. French fries were the only thing the son would eat. They fed the son organic French fries for every meal and every snack. And after three days on nothing but French fries, her 10-year-old son speaks words for the first time. Wow. Reversing the autism. That is so amazing. And I have heard you talk about that. That was something I was going to ask you about is people reversing autism and Asperger's because that seems so over the top. I mean, to some degree, I guess I just maybe I'm very cynical, but I feel like when I look at some certain conditions, it just seems like once you're broken, you're broken. But I guess that's not true. There's a lot of cases of this, right? She's not the only isolated case. So what I'd like to do is play you a 20-second clip from a 10-year-old girl. Have a listen to this and see what you make of this. Hi, Shay. Hi. How old are you today? 10 years old. And can you tell us what it felt like to have autism and Asperger's syndrome? I got tummy aches a lot. I got sick a lot. I had social difficulties. I had trouble at school. I was obsessed with cameras, flashing lights, water, light bulbs, toilets, and computers. I got mad a lot, angry easily, and I stemmed on a lot of And how do you feel today? Recovered, happy, I stopped stimming, and I'm not obsessed with friends. So did you feel like you've recovered? Yes. God. Yep. Lots and lots and lots of that sort of story because it's happened to so many people now. So many people have recovered. And it's the same for Alzheimer's at the other end of things. There are lots of people who will now say, well, it was horrible when I had Alzheimer's. Things were dreadful, but now I've got my brain back. Wow. That's amazing to hear. And I guess the two main things we've talked about so far are magnesium and vitamin C. And we know the food supply is compromised, but are there ways to get this through food if we're getting it from organic sources? What are the best ways to get it? Do we need to supplement or can we do it without? Well, it's very difficult to do it without supplementing. I mean, you know, for nine years, you mentioned at the beginning of the program, I, I ran an organic farm and I chose land that had never had chemicals on it ever. So it was fine. Everything I never had a supplement when I lived on the farm. But most organic food these days will often be grown on land that a few years ago was used for chemical farming. 
So if chemicals are put on the land, you can imagine that the insects and the worms and everything is just going to die. And then with fields getting ever bigger, how do the minerals get put back in the soil? You know, let's say they grow the wheat, that pulls the minerals out of the soil. In the old days, they used to burn the stubble from the wheat back into the ground. So they pull the minerals out and these put some of them back. But these days, they don't do that. When there were small fields, the trees would mine the minerals from hundreds of feet down, bring it up, and then fall. The leaves would drop down and remineralize the soil. But now with the giant fields, there's no remineralization. They're just using chemicals instead, killing everything, and meaning that year by year by year, there are less minerals every season. And so everybody's getting ill through lack of minerals. Mm. It's almost everybody. And because of the stresses of modern life and the fact that stuff's happening that's just ridiculous. I mean, let me give you an example. Everybody I tested this year was ultra high on aluminum. Now, why would everybody be ultra high on aluminum? Well, there are a couple of obvious ones, which a lot of people know, like underarm deodorants. Most of them have aluminum, and that's giving dementia and Alzheimer's to people. Then there are lots of other contacts with aluminium, aluminum. I was sitting at my computer wondering, where am I getting aluminum from? Realizing I've got an Apple computer and it's made of aluminum and I'm rubbing my fingers on it all day. But that's not the big one. The big one is water. The water people put aluminum as aluminum sulfate, that's the water soluble version, into the water supply to make it crystal clear. And they're giving dementia to everybody in the water. Mm. Wow. My God, that is just so sad to me to think you only get one life and you have to have it compromised by the water that you pay for in your own house or a nursing home. But yeah, water is such an overlooked but essential factor. We don't even know the full power of water, but of course it makes up most of our bodies. It is so crucial to life. And I always sort of laugh when people write off fluoride in the water supply like it isn't a huge issue. I don't get how the official story even holds water. <laughs> no pun intended, that it's for teeth, because there's really nowhere else that the government seems to care about the public good so much as to go this extra mile. And anyone should know that dosage is important with chemicals, isn't it? You don't just dump it in the water that people use at so many different rates, their drinking water, all their showers, dishwasher, you know, zero dosage control. Of course, they could just put some non-controversial vitamins and minerals in the water, too, if it's all just about health. Why just the teeth? Why not treat that whole system? Or better yet, just make sure it's clean. They'll put fluoride in for your teeth, but they can't be bothered just to make sure it's healthy to drink overall. It just doesn't make any sense. I read the original report that, you know, why we should all have fluoride. I read it, and it's so flawed. You read the original report, it's laughable that they believed it. But there are a couple of interesting things about fluoride that I'd like to just mention. Sure. There are four halogens. You know, there are the three bad ones, which is chlorine, bromine, and fluoride. Then there's the one good one, which is iodine. Now, everybody pretty much is low on iodine. 95% of the population of the U.S. are low on iodine. And the others, the bad ones, like fluoride, are a smaller atomic size than, than iodine. So your hormones should all be made with iodine, you know, your thyroid, everything. All the hormones have an iodine base. But if you're getting 
chlorine in the water or bromine in the flour improver in bread or fluoride in your toothpaste or your water, then those are all smaller atoms. So they get in iodine receptors in place of the iodine. Now now your hormones are being made of fluoride. And you know, why is Prozac so popular as an antidepressant? It's because it's made of fluoride. And it's not that your problems go away, but because fluoride and bromine and chlorine make you apathetic, you just don't care anymore. The problems haven't gone away, but you just don't care like you used to because you're fluorided out. Hmm. You're on fluoride. People just don't care as much. You know, the government can do rubbish things and uh, there's nothing we can do about it anyway type attitude. But <laughs> because we're bathing in chlorine, showering in chlorine, that means that we're all low on iodine. Now, what does that really mean? Let's say a woman is pregnant and she's low on iodine. That baby will be born with a low IQ, right? Now, if the woman is clinically low on iodine, the doctors have a term for it. That baby will be born a cretin, you know, mentally defective. That's what happens if, if you're very low on iodine. So the symptoms of low iodine, and some people might recognize these, they are thyroid problems, temperature out of control, like cold hands and feet or wild temperature controls like hot flushes. Dry skin sometimes can be related to it. Most people have got a thyroid issue and the doctors would put you on levothyroxine, which is rubbish. A hundred years ago, if you went to a doctor and the doctor didn't know what was wrong with you, most doctors at that point gave you something called Lugol's iodine, which is potassium iodide and iodine mixed together. And it used to be a sort of pretty much a cure-all. You know, if in doubt, you give, give them some iodine, they'll be fine. And if somebody had a thyroid problem, if the iodine alone didn't work, what they'd do is they'd give you a little bit of dried thyroid from an animal, from a cow or a pig, a little bit of desiccated thyroid gland. And that's desiccated thyroid from an animal is very, very similar to human thyroid. But if they give you levothyroxine, which the doctors do because it's patented or used to be patented and they can make money from it, it doesn't work nearly as well because it's synthetic. You know, obviously a natural product is going to work much better than a synthetic. And so there's a massive con going on. I mean, you've heard of the goiter belt, have you, Greg? <laughs> I have not, but I am a little grossed out by the visual. So when the settlers were moving westwards, they got so far inland that there was no longer any iodine in the air. Iodine comes from the sea. So you go too far inland, there's no iodine. And so people's necks, their, their thyroids got goiters, which means that the thyroid gland swelled up to a huge size trying to grab what little iodine there might have been in the air. So the government stepped in and said, right, we're going to insist that you have iodized salt, you know, salt with iodine in, and that iodine has to be put in the bread. And that fixed it. And then something like 1976, they repealed that law, creating the current thyroid epidemic for the second time in American history. Hmm. <laughs> I love those little chapters in forgotten history that made a huge difference for the people at the time. And that does beg the question, because a lot of these problems, the nutrient deficient food or the nasty pharmaceuticals, these issues are less than 100 years old in most cases. and it's curious because were we living that much longer or healthier lives before that time? It's, you know, the conventional history is that obviously things have gotten better, but is the 
truth a little more complex than that, I guess? I live in a little tiny village in, in Wiltshire in England, and walking around the local graveyard, for instance, you notice that either people died as a baby or very young, but if they survived that, they often lived to be 85, 90, and then women died in childbirth a lot. So what the governments tend to do is they take those statistics, well, quite a lot of babies used to die, quite a lot of mothers died in childbirth, so we'll put those numbers with the fact the rest of them lived to 85, and tell everybody, oh, people only used to live till 40 or 45. Well, statistically, that may be true, but in reality, you either made it or you didn't. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yet Numbers can definitely be twisted. Data can definitely be shaded a certain color if you want it to be. So uh, modern diseases, it wasn't that long ago when Professor Alzheimer first saw this weird new brain-wasting disease, and it was so rare he called it after himself, you know, Alzheimer's disease. That wasn't that long ago, but it coincided pretty much with the introduction of the widespread use of modern oils, and by that I mean margarine, and I mean the type of oils you get in a supermarket in a bottle. So our ancestors would have told you that fat was good, that the fat of the land, you know, the cream of the crop, the cream by definition meant the best. Hmm. But when the low-fat revolution started happening, and they lied and they said, Fat is bad for you. Eat margarine or whatever it is. Stop eating fatty meat. Stop eating fatty fish. You know, it'll kill you. That was a lie. And they created dementia and Alzheimer's along with the water people by depriving you of fat. So what is a human brain made from? Well, primarily, as everybody knows, it's primarily water. You know, so if you're dehydrated, you, you may have thinking issues. But let's say you take the water out. And you now got that wobbly bit of brain. What's that made of? It's made of fat. People don't realize that the primary constituent of the fat in the brain is cholesterol. So if anybody's eating a low-fat diet or following the idea that cholesterol is bad for you, well, they're losing their brain, hmm. becoming Swiss cheese. Yeah, I think that's another thing that was a mind blower for me a couple of years ago. I used to make the joke that the older religious authorities in the Bible, they said not to eat meat because they, you know, require your brain to be that dumb for you to take your authority from them. But uh, it's just a curious thing. I hear a lot of people talking about the ketogenic diet now, which is, of course, high healthy fats, moderate protein, fruits and vegetables, but just low sugar, low carbohydrates, I guess. Is that kind of what you would consider to be the ideal diet? I guess everyone's different, but is that generally what you think is the best advice at this point? Well, as you say, everyone is different and boy, are they different. So I hesitate ever to suggest that this one is the way forward. If somebody had cancer, for example, then they should certainly research ketogenic diet because that may be the best thing for them. You know, what's the only food that a cancer cell eats for breakfast? Well, it's glucose. So as carbohydrates turn to glucose and the ketogenic diet, the idea is that, that there are zero carbohydrates. Well, you know, if cancer can't eat, it can't grow is the, is the theory behind it. So the ketogenic diet is a very, very interesting one. If I wasn't trying to overcome some sort of specific disease, though, I wouldn't want to do a ketogenic diet all the time. In the same ways that there are 
a lot of arguments around the acid alkali type diets. You know, there are a lot of people who say, well, you, you've got to be alkaline all the time and be really strict about it. But you know, so many people, what happens is that somebody gets cured because they go raw or somebody gets cured because they do some fancy diet and so on. Then they get carried away and think everybody should do that. And that's where people get evangelical. It gets a bit difficult. Yeah, I agree with you. That is kind of the gray area. You know, it is tough with so many different people and so many different factors to find a blanket solution is really just probably not realistic. And, you know, you mentioned babies a couple of times. We just did a show that focused around the problems with the hospital birth protocols that almost every step of the process causes increased damage to the mother or baby, whether it's the drugs, the disruption of bonding, vaccines, circumcision, C-sections. I mean, it is a lot. And I know you also dedicate a large section of your website to these very issues. One that I woke up to that I hoped you could elaborate on is the cutting of the umbilical cord. It seems like the placenta is a sack of vital supercharged nutrients that that baby comes into the world with naturally. And we cut that connection so fast, it really doesn't get the chance to do its thing. Is that right? Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, no animal is going to clamp a cord. You know, it's just, just outrageous. And the practice actually apparently began so that the hospitals were cleaner. There was some blood issue. It was messy or something. So anyway, the baby is born in two parts. We're too big to be born totally as one. So we come out as two parts. There's the baby and it's packed lunch. And in the packed lunch, there is maybe a third of its immune system potential. So normally what would happen is the baby would be born, put on the, the mother's tummy along with the placenta, and over the next few minutes, the placenta, which would be sort of pulsing, would be delivering its contents slowly into the baby. And once that process had completed, then the umbilical cord would begin to shrivel up and eventually on, on its own accord, it would just drop off. So what's happening is that the umbilical cord's being clamped, the cord is being cut, and the contents of the cord and the placenta are being sold for big money to various interests. The stem cell people obviously want them because cord stem cells are highly valuable because you know, let's say somebody wanted stem cell therapy and they're young. Well, they have their own stem cells taken out, and those stem cells can be cultured, grown, and then you could inject them back into yourself. And you know, th there are very real benefits of doing this physically. You, you can fix yourself by injecting stem cells in the part of your body that needs fixing. But if you're old, then you can't do that anymore. Your, stem, your own stem cells aren't strong enough to reproduce like that. So what people are doing, and I, let's look at it nicely, they don't know what they're doing. They are stealing the life force from babies. You know, those stem cells should be going into the baby, not into some rich old person who wants to live longer at the expense of the baby's health. This is the reality of what's happening. There's more and more value to stem cells in the placenta. And the cosmetics industry have got a lot to answer for. If you put in placenta cream, for instance, onto Google, you'll find all sorts of products full of baby. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that is, I love the term packed lunch <laughs> to describe that, but what a welcoming, you know, your first 
possession that you're born into the world with is just ripped away from you and sold to the highest bidder, it's like, yeah, get ready for that pattern to repeat for the rest of your miserable existence. It's dark. I'm afraid it's as dark as the hospital birth system really is about as dark as it gets. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be that way. And I've also heard you talk about even things like the language of the doctor and how that gets into hypnosis. Of course, we've had guests talk about just language in general and the idea of spelling that even from the beginning, it was magic. But that comes into play in the hospital a lot, too, with things like contractions versus expansions, right? Well, exactly right. I mean, you know, if a patient believes what the doctor says, that belief could easily kill them. I mean, you know, if somebody says you've got six weeks to live and you believe it at a core level, well, the chances are you could time your watch by it. Mm. The negative hypnosis that doctors use really is quite appalling. You know, before I did what I do now, I trained as a hypnotist because I found that what one could achieve with the power of the mind, and my, my way of doing hypnosis is always a self-hypnosis in that I teach other people how to do it themselves primarily. But I quickly found, even though I could have tremendous results changing people, you know, using their own mind, that if they were low on magnesium, well, you know, they need magnesium. And no amount of hypnotism was really going to get them full of magnesium. So I had to sort of go back to school, so to speak, and, and learn about the minerals and vitamins. But at the end of the day, I think it's so simple. You know, when I see a client, I start, first of all, with the four elements. Are you breathing good air? Are you using really nice, wonderful, fresh, clean water? Are you eating wonderful, nice, fresh food? Are you getting enough sunshine? Because those four are absolutely crucial. Then I move on from that, say, are you getting enough magnesium? Are you getting enough iodine? And just go through the basic minerals, because the basic minerals, if you're low on one, then all sorts of stuff can go wrong. You know, magnesium controls 2,000 enzyme systems in your body. It's the people with the highest magnesium have massively less cancer. People with the highest vitamin C, massively less cancer. Vitamin D, in Europe, they've done lots of trials of people with the highest vitamin D, depending on which cancer it is, you know, often 70% less cancer just if you've got enough sunshine, basically. Hmm. In England, I went into the doctor's office a few years ago, actually, and I picked up this leaflet which said, the flu season is coming, ask the doctor for a vaccine, something like that. I thought, hang on a minute, the flu season is coming. So what do the doctors think is going on? That As it gets colder, the flu germs are coming out of their little hidey places and biting people on the bum. I mean, Hmm. You know, what are they saying? There is no flu season, but there is a lack of sunshine season. Mm. People get colds and flus in winter. Great point. <laughs> it's, it's vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Yeah, primarily. I mean, if you've got enough vitamin D, zinc, and vitamin C, you're pretty much cold proof. Very difficult. I used to work with this medical doctor, and he explained this to me about the vitamin D thing maybe nine or ten years ago. And I went to my local doctor and said, look, I think I'm low on vitamin D. Would you test me? He said, well, I've never done that before. I said, really? No, we just don't, don't do that, but I can. So he tested me for vitamin D, and I got the results, I mean, so quick. You know, three weeks later, you know, or here are your results. And the doctor said, you're incredibly low on vitamin D. He said, how did you know? And I said, well, it's December. Everybody's going to be critically low on vitamin D, and everybody <laughs> is. You know, it's, it's just everybody. So what happens if you're low on vitamin D? 
well, what happens if you're low on sunshine? Well, you're not as happy. People are happy in the sun and unhappy out of the sun. So it's got a whole depression thing going to it, vitamin D. It's got the cancer thing going to it. It's got a heart thing going to it. We're meant to be outside most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody's not. So we're all, most of us anyway, are low on vitamin D. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And how much does vitamin D cost? Let's say you bought a year's supply. I would suggest you went onto eBay now, you get it for $10 for a whole year. $10. Wow. Yeah, you can get fancy versions which are made from lichen from Iceland, but most of it is actually made from chicken feathers, which there are lots of things about vitamin D and its manufacture that aren't great, the cheap stuff, but nevertheless, it works. Right. It works. Better than nothing. And costs almost zero. The incredible thing about most of these products iodine, magnesium, so cheap. Very little money. Very little money. Hmm. Well, at least that's hopeful to people who probably don't have a lot of money but want to actually take control of their health. And I had one other question for you about babies, which was that on your website, you talk about the fact that your baby is born with five sounds that indicate its needs. If you learn those five sounds, you can understand what your baby is saying on day one. And I think that's kind of interesting. It's just not really something that I've heard before. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Give us a couple of the the key sounds or something that maybe help people get a little insight into what these babies might be saying? This is so weird, isn't it? That Who would have thought that babies have five sounds that they make when they're born? They've got one which says, I'm hungry, one which says, I'm tired, one which says, I've got wind trapped, one saying they're having a poo, and so on. And it was this Australian woman who was born as a sort of a musical genius. When she was three, she could play the piano without reading the, you know, just hear it once and repeat, that sort of thing, musical genius. So when her daughter was born, she heard these sounds and put two and two together. And what happens is that, say, the baby baby wants something. The baby's trying to tell you something. So it's time to tell you it's, it's tired. So it makes the tired sound, which is a bit like heh. Anyway, I'll tell you where you can watch it and learn it on the internet. And if you don't respond, that heh gets a bit more frantic. Heh. And then it goes Ugh! and starts crying. Heh. You know, yeah. And so she noticed these five sounds. And her name is Priscilla Dunstan. You can look her up on YouTube. She was interviewed actually by Oprah, Priscilla Dunstan and Oprah. And it's very good, that particular program. You can hear all the sounds, lots of babies making the sounds. And it takes a little bit of learning to master it, but it's not that difficult. And she puts on courses to do it. So it turns out that, let's say, your mum, my mum, our dads, when we were born, they didn't know what the hell we were saying. They, we were saying, feed me, come on, get on with it. And they didn't understand a word of it. And so now children are being understood from their very first moment. And of course, they are communicating with their parents. And therefore, they learn to speak at an earlier age. They're more intelligent. They don't cry so much because there's no need. We were crying because nobody taught baby language to our parents. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that is weird. But it is so interesting. I mean, why wouldn't there be some kind of insight to get from baby noises. I mean, we come in with some form of instinct. It only makes sense. And to jump back to your personal story a little bit, you had mentioned to me in our email correspondence that you spent 15 years advising the Rothschild's main financial wizard. And 
That's very provocative. Sounds like a hell of a life chapter. Can you tell us a little bit about what went on there? Well, my ex-business partner from years back, when I had the organic farm, he, he brought this chap along and said, you'll really get on incredibly well with this guy. And I realized that I'd never met a genius before. This chap what was a fully-fledged genius, mm-hmm. really, really incredible. And I watched the ravages of drugs take this man down. He was such a genius. He was, he was an advisor to the Rothschilds. But unfortunately, he got into heroin and crack. And I watched him become destroyed by those drugs. It was very, very sad. And in the middle of that, you know, one of the Rothschilds asked him, would he fix his dealer? And he came to me and said, look, you, you know more about this. Why don't you try and fix this guy? And anyway, the Rothschilds were paying for a private chef for this man. He had lots and lots of people helping him. And the private chef was making him raw juices, organic, you know, the highest quality raw juices. He was advised to use, well, all the supplements that I normally suggest, and I'll mention some of them as we go on. And he'd been given days to live. He couldn't really walk, and he could say two words, but by the time he got to the third word, he couldn't pronounce it. So we used a hyperthermia device, basically a Nikola Tesla invention brought more into the modern day, a Spanish device called Indiba, I-N-D-I-B-A, and we got his head shaved because he had glioblastoma, brain cancer. And we taught the cleaner how to use this machine on his head. All it did was it put in a radio frequency, just under half a megahertz. And the radio frequency heats up the body from the inside. And you know, a cancer cell can't survive much over 43 degrees, which would be, I don't know what, in Fahrenheit. Whereas a ordinary cell, you can heat up higher than that. So the hypothermia device was used to destroy the cancer cells from the inside or have them revert. There are different ways to deal with cancer cells. You have them revert or die and produce normal cells. Anyway, cut a long story short, he comes off the morphine 48 hours and he gets a clean bill of health from the doctor some months later. Doesn't die. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure some people in this audience might wonder if you shouldn't have just let nature take its course when you're dealing with someone who is a Rothschild advisor. Well, let me tell you how the story ended. Sure. By sheer coincidence, I knew the dealer's brother. I'd met him years, decades earlier. And the result was so stunning that I did a talk in London and the recovered guy came and talked at this talk, you know, and he got a standing ovation because, you know, he told his story how he was going to die and then didn't. And about six weeks later, I get in touch with him only to find out that he'd been eating all this fabulous food. He'd stopped eating so much fabulous food. He'd started smoking again. He'd started some bad habits. And it didn't take long until the cancer came back. Anyway, I went to see him at this point. I said, what the fuck are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And he said, well, actually, it's like this. I haven't told my benefactor that I'm better because if, if I do, I'm afraid he's going to cut me out off money. This particular Rothschild was you know, generously paying money to this guy. 
And he was so scared that the money would be stopped if he admitted he was cured that he hadn't told him. And I felt that on a psychological level, there was something, something weird. Anyway, within less than a year, he died. Hmm. So I talked to the brother, my, my sort of friend. Oh, yeah. No, the brother said to me, oh, well, I didn't tell you this. He said, on the day we got the all clear from the doctor, we went out and bought two grams of crack. Smart. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really. You know, I tell the story because there's nothing bad about anybody being said. It's just, you know, that, that's just, just what happened. And, you know, some interesting characters involved. But, you know, everybody came out well from the story, I felt. Hmm. Yeah, interesting characters for sure. And having been so close to that inner circle, even just in a couple of instances, you know, I got to ask, we hear so many juicy rumors and so much speculation about the elite from occult aspects to odd claims about bloodlines. And, you know, I'm not saying that you've been indoctrinated into the mysteries of the universe, but they are so protective and secretive. It's hard to know exactly what to think. Did you see or experience anything during those interactions that might be of interest to people looking to get a window into the world behind the curtain? Well, I suppose the first thing I realized, which was surprised me, was how many of the people at the top end marry prostitutes. And it was explained to me that, look, there's no messing about, you know what you're getting. You know, yeah, because the problem is when they get that rich, they can't trust anybody because everybody is after their money, basically. Yeah. And so trusting people becomes very difficult, particularly if your parents were psychopaths and you can't even trust granny. You know? <laughs> so it was amazing how many of them married prostitutes just because there was no messing about. You know? <laughs> that is an odd detail. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the stories I can I can probably tell. Oh dear, <laughs> but there's a certain level of absolute craziness there. And of course, if you're rich, well, there's what you know. I used to travel around in the private jets, right? And so you know, you go to an airport, as you know, and they want you to take your shoes off and take your belt off, and they want to look everywhere. But when you take the private jets, you drive the car to the airport gate. And a man comes out and says something like, I'm awfully sorry to bother you, but just, I just need to look at your passport for one moment. And he comes, oh, I'm terribly sorry to delay you for 10 seconds, you know. <laughs> and then uh, you drive onto the runway, park outside the plane, and you get on the plane and, and off you go. Hmm. You know, customs doesn't really exist if you're in that, that echelon. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Mm. And so you did mention a couple of, technologies over the course of our conversation, a light-based healing device, um, some some testing devices, the Nikola Tesla-derived device. And I know you regularly talk about cutting-edge technologies that seem to be making a big difference in health. Of course, it is good to get those classic natural components in check, but what can you tell us about other things on the technological front that have impressed you? Well, recently... The Viome test has come out, V-I-O-M-E. And the Viome test is the sort of gift to the world of a guy called Naveen Jain. And he was brought up in poverty in India. His dad had a government job. And as some people may know, if you get a government job in India, they pay you almost nothing because 90% of what you earn is going to come from bribes. <laughs> and this is just accepted and built into the system. Anyway, this guy's dad was so honest, he wouldn't take bribes, so they, they had no home because he wouldn't take bribes. 
Anyway, he's now a billionaire, Naveen Jain, and he was the first person to get a license to go mining on the moon. Wow. <laughs> I know. He's a serial entrepreneur, started hundreds of radically successful businesses. Anyway, he wanted to give back to the world, so he's developed this biome test and made it affordable. Uh, it's about, I think, $500 for two tests, and it will tell you in more detail than I think has ever been known ever what bacteria you've got in your body, what viruses you've got, and a whole host of other information. So for the first time, I think it's going to really shake up the world of medicine and health. So the biome test is very interesting. Then there are, there are other things like the predictive biomarkers. There's something called the LRA test, lymphocyte reaction assay. And I think one of the interesting ones is delayed allergies, right? We all know about a fish allergy, a shellfish allergy, right? It happens pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But there are other allergies that take a lot longer. Turns out that there are some allergies, let's say you're allergic to radishes and cucumbers, which I think are in the same family. That happens four days later. So, you know, last Thursday, you ate a cucumber, and now it's Monday, and you're feeling really rubbish. You know, you're not going to put together that it was the cucumber. Hmm. And so it turns out that one of the real lifesavers out there is to do a delayed allergy test and see if you've got some. This is all fairly new information to me. It wouldn't have crossed my mind. No. So I interviewed Dr. William Walsh, and William Walsh – sorry, no, he's not a doctor. William Walsh, he has a test for the brain. There's so much that these tests will tell you. His test, for instance, will tell you if you're schizophrenic, manic, depressive, depressed, what, whatever it is, these tests, it's blood test, will tell you exactly how to remedy it. So it turns out that, well, I mean, this has been the case for a long time, but probably 80, 90% of all those schizophrenic, manic depression type, bipolar things can be reversed because, like everything else, it's toxic poisoning and mineral nutritional deficiencies. Hmm. You know, B vitamins, vitamin B3, niacin is for many people with manic depression and that type of stuff is the answer. The answer to bipolar for a lot of people, high dose niacin, preferably as the non-flush one so it doesn't cause problems. There's a website, I mentioned the guy before, Andrew Saul, he has a website called doctoryourself.com and you can read about vitamin B3, niacin there. But there are other things, you know, William Walshaw interviewed, if you put my name onto YouTube and my name's Clive DeCarl, put Clive DeCarl and then the word depression onto YouTube, there's a two-hour interview with William Walsh, who is a genius and explains how to do it, how it's done. So, yeah, there are some incredible tests that are already here and some new ones in the wings. You mentioned light earlier being one of the you know those core elements some years ago i was lucky enough to borrow sort of a nasa developed artificial sun it was the power of four suns jeez and sitting in front of that is so healing it's incredible and when i first came across it they were very very expensive now they've come down in the realms of possibility to what ten thousand dollars or less Still ridiculously expensive for a light, but I think you, you know, the listeners can appreciate 
that if you had something in your living room, the power of four suns, and it was safe, well, that just could make you better. Hmm. Then more recently, I did an interview with a guy called Lou Lim, and he has an infrared device that you clip on your nostril and shine infrared light up your nose. And you can see the reactions that some Alzheimer's patients have. They switch on this light, and if they're hooked up to a brain monitor, you can suddenly see all this new activity that light switches on people's brain power. Mm. And you can buy these devices for a few hundred dollars. It's called Vilight, V-I-E, light, Vilight. But they're quite expensive as a little device you stick on the end of your nose. There are lots of cheaper ways one could get similar effects. Going out in the sunshine would be one rather good one. <laughs> yeah, sometimes simplest is best. And you mentioned those delayed allergies. That is interesting. I never really considered that either. And what about general allergies? Are people who have bad sinuses or you wake up just congested? What do you think is the typical cause for, for that? Or what's the typical remedy? Probably vitamin C. Probably. Hmm. You know, vitamin C is the big answer for everything. If you got bitten by a poisonous snake or a poisonous spider or had chemical poisoning or taken too much LSD, what's the answer, vitamin C? <laughs> it's fantastic for poisoning. Second best answer would be charcoal. Charcoal does the same, turns off poisons, sucks them into itself. So allergies, very often, the original cause might have been the glyphosate. But vitamin C deficiency is rampant. You know, a lot of a lot of people have got scurvy. You know, they just don't know it. <laughs> yeah, and that is funny about the vitamin C and the comment you made about LSD because it's been a I don't know if it's a old wives' tale or if there's really anything to it. But you know, in my magic mushroom days, people would always be like, "Oh, go get some extra vitamin C. Go get some orange juice or go get some." Uh, vitamin C drops, cough drops, because it intensifies the effects. And maybe it's placebo or maybe not, but it is interesting. It kind of goes in this wheelhouse with vitamin C reactions to various things you might be putting in your body. Some might consider a poison, some might consider a medicine, but, <laughs> you know, it is interesting that there seems to be some kind of reaction there. Well, it's an incredibly powerful substance. I've never heard it heightening an effect. Usually the opposite, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, it could have been just some college rumor, wives' tale type thing, some urban legend. But Or maybe it's like extracting the poison out of your system faster, which makes you hallucinate harder. I mean, who knows? But curious thing, because that's the one thing that people have always said, oh, supplement your magic mushrooms with vitamin C. <laughs> but man, great time as we start to wrap this up. You know, you provided so much great information. Please do give people the details about your website, contact info, all the good stuff so they can dig deeper now that they're probably feeling properly motivated. Thanks, Greg. My website is clivedecarl.com. C-L-I-V-E-D-E-C-A-R-L-E, clivedecarl.com. And my YouTube channel is also Clive DeCarl. My Skype, if you want to contact me, is Skype. Uh, is uh, Clive DeCarl all run together as one word. It's my Skype name. I do consult clients either over Skype or telephone or, or in person. I'm in the process of making a film at the moment, or you know, I'm constantly making stuff, but doing doing a proper one. 
if anybody has got any amazing recovery stories, I'd be very, very interested to uh, speaking with you. My email is clive at clivedecarl.com. If you want to invite me to America to give talks or something like that, you know, I'm very keen on trying to get the information out. I probably talked a bit too much about fish and not enough about vitamins and vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more I can tell you or tell the listeners as to what they need to know to really get, get to grips with how to detox, for example, how to detox safely without making it worse. Mm. But I would say, apart from my own problem, type 1 diabetes, almost everything else is actually reasonably easy, assuming one gets to it in time. Right. Vitamin C, magnesium, and iodine. Seems like the holy trinity right there. Well, yeah, I'd add to that vitamin D, vitamin C, if we didn't mention that, a really high-quality multivitamin, multimineral. And there are a few really good ones out there. Um, the sort of quality you want is the sort of quality that people like Dr. Mercola or Perk or Standard Process or there are, there are a lot of high-end brands, lots of them, pure encapsulations, lots of them that are really pretty good. In England, we've got one called Ancient Purity. There, there are quite a few, but the quality is everything. It's just a waste of time not to go for the very, very best. There's a great reference site out there, a couple. One's called earthclinic.com, and the other is Green Med Info. While it's always a good idea to have a, a, you know, an experienced practitioner guide you, thankfully there are some great websites out there run by people, you know, not for money, but people who just want to help. Earth Clinic and Green Med Info are both great examples of those. Awesome. Yeah, those re- resources are extremely valuable and you're right about making a film that is a good approach because films they do make the biggest difference i think whether we're talking about vaxxed or that movie blackfish or clinton cash it just seems to be a mechanism a delivery mechanism that people resonate with and i don't see anything actually changing the culture as much as documentaries do i mean we have been conditioned to sit in front of screen so i guess it's the only way to reach people but What you were just saying did jog something in my memory I don't think we mentioned, but in the past, talking about vitamins and vitamin C in particular, I think I've heard you mention it's better to go with a powder form, not pills, because pills have all this extra bullshit in them. And at the volumes you're talking about taking vitamin C, it would be quite a bit of pills, so you're getting quite a bit of that extra shit. Is that accurate? Look for a powder form? Yeah, you want a pure powder that is 100% mixed as ascorbates and nothing else, no binders, fillers, glues, nothing, you know, because you're going to take high doses. You don't want to have a high dose of some little poison on the side. Right. The other important things are unprocessed salt, real salt, which is gray. They call it Celtic salt, very cheap, incredibly good supplement. Fulvic minerals, F-U-L-V-I-C. That's soil-based minerals, fulvic minerals from a good source. You know, everybody's pretty much low on silica, and you can get silica from stinging nettles, from the herb horsetail. A lot of people need to look at their selenium levels. Nobody should be supplementing with the type of calcium that you get at the drugstore. One should eat green leafy vegetables. Sulfur. Sulfur is an incredible one for detoxification. They call it MSM, organic sulfur. There are different qualities, again, the high-quality stuff. And sulfur sulfates heavy metals. So everybody's heavy metal poison. So vitamin C, 
charcoal are super important. And there are two types of charcoal out there, the old-fashioned stuff and activated charcoal. Everybody believes that activated charcoal is the best one. What you really want is old-fashioned charcoal, which is known as C60 charcoal. C60 is uh, Buckminster Fuller's fullerenes. You heard of fullerenes? I have not. Well, C60 is an interesting story behind C60 because all the at the latest of the anti-aging conferences in America, the talk of the conference was C60. The Nobel Prize was won 25 years ago for the discovery of C60. That's it. That's 60 carbon atoms all joined together into a bit like shape of a football, which is a Buckminster Fuller design geodesic domes, hence the link. Anyway, four and a half years ago, they did a study, five years ago, of mice. They wanted to see the toxicity of C60. After two years, half the mice were dead. Those were the, the what they'd just got to the end of their lifespan. The mice that, sorry, the rats, the rats that had the C60 were still alive almost two years later doubling their lifespan. They killed the rats because they wanted to complete the the uh, study. So the idea that C60, which is very cheap, by the way, could be a life extension product, at least rats are happy. But it turns out that while you can get various forms of C60 in ordinary charcoal, not activated charcoal, old-fashioned charcoal that the charcoal burners used to make in, in old old times, is full of C60, as is outer space. When they look at their radio telescopes to see the frequency of space, it's full of C60. It's a really interesting thing that people should perhaps examine. Huh. Man, just no shortage of information and good advice. You definitely know your sector of the pie really well. So, very cool, man. Thanks again for being here. A champion of the people. Keep doing what you do and take care of yourself. Thanks, Greg. You got it. Clive DeCarl, ladies and gentlemen, Clive DeCarl. <laughs> People have been asking me to do another health-related show for a while, ever since, I'd say, Richard Jacoby, which was so popular. Well, I think this one fills the need pretty nicely. Clive also gets into the birth-related stuff a lot, too, which I liked, and it makes a good compliment to Janice Barcelo, especially for people who thought that she was a little extreme, which I get, but what are you going to do? I like to let people's freak flags fly around here, so <laughs> it happens. But Clive makes so many great points, though. And it just sucks that we have to go so far out of the way to get information about our health because the entire mainstream paradigm is compromised. Food, nutrition, medicine, and health. And that alone, when you sit and think about the totality of that, the depth of that, it's very creepy and very alarming. And what a good point it is also to say that when you go to a doctor, they're paid to find something wrong with you. And you really got to remember that. They have an incentive to do so. It's like a salesman that got you in the door and doesn't want you to leave until something's been purchased. And of course, I'm no communist, but when we did that show on planned obsolescence with Cosima Danaritzer, a big part of that was looking at how products were made under communism and doctors did come up too. The fact that in capitalism, you want people to buy more. So you engineer products to fail as opposed to making them for everybody and not wanting them to come back and not wanting to do extra work. So you make them as structurally sound as you can, at least in principle. They'll talk about that, too, in places where healthcare is free and doctors are just paid that standard wage. Doctors, like everyone, just want to do as little work as possible 
So these doctors end up teaching people nutrition and you don't offer unnecessary drugs or surgeries. What's the point? You're not getting paid anymore to cut this guy open, so just let him be. And to play devil's advocate, of course, maybe doctors in that environment would just pretend they didn't see that lump or that mole that you probably should get checked out. So it is hard to craft a perfect system of incentives. Like, I want to be fair. But in ours, they cut you open even when they don't have to, tell you very little about why you have XZ or Y wrong with you, stitch you up and send you back out in the world to repeat your old habits. You end up back there again with the same problem, rinse and repeat. And now you're barely kicking and you're out tens of thousands of dollars. So pretty much any other paradigm would be better. Here's another weird thing, but if you're into hip-hop music at all, have you noticed the shift from talking about weed and getting high and getting wasted on high-end liquor to talking about Percocets and Xanax and pills? Hip-hop songs are becoming ads for Big Pharma. It's pretty messed up. Even Post Malone, I really liked some of his goofy mumble rap stoner songs, but his new one is about popping pillies, quote-unquote. And when I hear that, I just always think it is a little gross. Like, what are you doing? Don't you know who you're promoting? And then knowing how far back the manipulation of hip-hop goes and seeing how coordinated this new push seems to be, I doubt it's an accident. But having a guest like Clive always jumpstarts my desire to take better care of myself, and I think we all fall into some of the traps from time to time. And it's good to get a reminder and a little motivation to just do better. Nobody's perfect. We have a lot of addictions and it's a culture that we are engineered to be obsessed with, but we can do a lot better. I know I'm going to at least get some vitamin C powder myself, maybe even look into some raw milk if I'm feeling extra rebellious. And I got to give it up to Clive also for having that clip on hand. Not a lot of guests bring that level of preparation and involvement to the table. And what a clip it was, an autistic girl that sounded pretty damn recovered to me. It's just so mind-blowing that autism is to some degree reversible. Like, that's wild. It's also pretty incredible that vitamin C, magnesium, and iodine are as powerful as people like Clive tell us they are. I've had many more guests than Clive bring up those three elements, but it just is interesting to think that maybe it is that simple for most things. But if you liked the conversation, of course, we talk about a lot of other stuff in the second hour, which we call the Plus Show for Paid Members. That's where we did talk more about dairy and pasteurized versus raw, kefir and the power of fermentation, the untold truths of antibiotics, Clive's Alex Jones anecdote, how to take care of your teeth. Oh, updates on the uh, GC math thing and Clive's involvement with David Noakes. That was another good health show from back in the day. How to sprout organic seeds right in your apartment. Also, Clive's radical revelations about the moon. <laughs> That's where it got a little weird, of course. And we talked about some strange stories from Clive's childhood. So, all good stuff. If you like the first hour, no reason to think you wouldn't like the second. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com. But we did it. We got another show in the can. Show number four for November. So we had Wolfgang on Sandy Hook, Janice on birth trauma, Michael Joseph on the esoteric elements of the JFK assassination ritual, and now, of course, Clive DeCarl with more health stuff. And the last show is going to be with Ilana Freeland about what she calls the space fence, and I think that makes for a pretty 
solid month. Also, I just had everybody's favorite singer, Lauren Silva, record three new parody covers for THC based on popular pop songs. And I think we're going to start with a little Justin Bieber, because why the hell not? It's the holidays. Let's treat ourselves. Remember, all THC cover songs, if you like the show's ending tracks, are free downloads for Plus members also. So, anyway, I am going to be getting out of here. You will be hearing from me in a couple of days. I've done my part. Your move, big pharma fuckers, petrochemical criminals, and hip-hop pill-popping enablers. Your fucking move. You know the plan has always been to hack your brain. MKO just trying to drive you insane. They'll explode your heart if they think that's what it takes. You think I'm answering the phone? Well, I ain't. You gotta keep the curtains drawn. Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home. Well, you're not. You should tape the mail slot. And baby, if I seem withdrawn, let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked. Maybe you should know that the trauma affects you like it does everyone. It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become. They want a pat down and a swap. Don't you see what's going on? Well, now you know. You're better keeping on your own, cause you can see the masters lie too much. Oh, baby, you can only trust yourself. And if you think the system's out of touch, it is, and you can only trust yourself. I hope you know the elite aren't your friends. They'll suck out everything from you in the end. And if for some reason you think I might be wrong, I wonder where you got that opinion from. You gotta keep the curtains drawn Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home Well, you're not You should tape the mail slot And baby, if I seem withdrawn Let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked Maybe you should know that The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan It's what the world's become Cause you can see the 
Trust yourself. 